Welcome, one and all, to the mystical world of Felbar. Adventures abound throughout this realm, and we appreciate the opportunity to regale you with some stories from these trails. These accounts are all based on actual RPG experiences that occurred within Adventures in Felbar. Some of these tales may be for mature audiences, while others may be for very immature audiences. We now present the sage Mikas Tumo from Tamel, also known as the Bard of Felbar. Welcome to session Fartuk-125. When we were last with our heroes, they had discovered that most of the people they had contact with last time had now been imprisoned. Former Captain of the Watch, now Lord Commander Rausch, seems to have evaded trouble and was apparently in league with Paul Depot, leader of the Syndicate. With no one to help them, the group is trying to figure out how to get into the city and take their revenge on the Syndicate. We rejoin the group as they sit in the tavern known as the Repository of Ruination. <coughs> well, we know that Captain, excuse me, Lord Commander, Rauch is part of the problem, huffed Sister Elaine. A scoff was heard at the end of the table, and the group turned to Tonia, who was the source of the noise. Lady Irena inquired if the woman had something to offer. After quaffing a long pull from her beverage, the woman cleared her throat and began to speak. Of course Ober is in on it. He's the crookedest individual that you'll ever meet. I knew him when he was just a guard on the beat. He used to rouse people and take things from crime scenes. Wouldn't surprise me if he's responsible for your problems as well. Did you ever have to deal with him? The four original members then explained that their arrest many months ago and reported that he was quite upset when they were released by the judge. He was one of the reasons we needed to get out of town, said Cabe Silverton in a flat tone. The group determined that if he were meeting with the head of the syndicate, he was the most likely on their payroll and their best suspect. The discussion then shifted on how to get into the city again. Tonya speculated that if they wandered in during a crowd, they might be able to sneak in or blend in. The group pondered the option and agreed. After paying their tab, the party headed towards the gates, hoping that traffic would be sparse. Moving up the dirt hill to the main eastern gate, the group noticed no traffic in either direction. I don't like the looks of this, whispered Lady Irena as the party made their way to the top of the hill. As they arrived at the entrance, they noticed that the portcullis was down and a large number of guards stood on the other side. Bulger grabbed Tonia and the pair moved up and spoke with the guards while the other four drifted into the shadows to avoid detection. A few minutes later, the pair returned and headed down the hill. The group came together at the base and discovered that the gates were locked at night now and no one was permitted entry. Bulger added that the guards said they should arrive early tomorrow as everyone entering Phoenix was to be searched thoroughly. When he inquired as to why, the guard stated that some big shot was in town and apparently a group of wanted assassins were believed to be in the area. I think he meant you guys, reported Tonya. The group lamented the news and determined that if they would have to come up with a better plan. Ideas were tossed out and discussed, but none seemed to offer the element of safe passage. Lady Irena put her hand out and appeared to be in a pensive thought before speaking. I have an idea, but I don't think you're going to like it, she said. 
She shuffled through the folds of her robes before pulling forth a scroll she had obtained weeks before. Scanning it, she snapped her fingers and asked Bulger how much rope they had. <clears throat> ah, we have enough rope to hang a herd of horse thieves, my dear. Why? The mage quickly verbalized her plan, which included fly her flying up to the sheer face of the cliff that Phoenix resided on, dropping a rope and having everyone climb into the sewers and enter the city that way. Cabe countered with the idea to just string the rope from the battlements and climb up the, to the dry area, but the idea was missed, noting that guards on the ramparts. Remember, only thieves and orphans were in the sewers, and neither of those are going to cause us much trouble, the elven woman continued, as she explained. Once inside the city, we can try and break into the dungeon or grab the Lord Commander and force our way in. We release our friends and put Roush on the cell instead. While Lady Arena enjoyed her plan, it was met with signs that the others were not on board. Fargus explained that apparently the Syndicate somehow knew they were in the area, which was troubling in and of itself, and finished with his opinion on breaking into a jail as not being the best solution. He did add that the sewer entrance was the best bet, though. Cabe expressed his doubts as well and was far less enthusiastic at wading through feces again. Sister Elaine spoke up and suggested that they get inside the city first, then worry about what to do next. If the opening is gated and we can't get in, then none of this matters anyway. Nodding in agreement, the group moved back to the folly and got a large amount of rope. Hefting the hemp, Lady Irena was clearly uncomfortable but advised that she could handle it. Tonia spotted an unattended rowboat and commandeered it, stating that they could quietly get the rest of them to the face cliff using the boat. The plan was set in motion and the mage read from her scroll. Moments later she sprang into the air soundlessly and headed for the spouting cliff face with the rope. With no moon out it was difficult to track the woman and the group oared their way over to the cliff taking care in avoiding the deluge of sewage spewing forth from several holes leading underneath the city. The smack of rope hitting the wall caused the group to move to the noise and found the dangling fiber. Fargus advised since he was the strongest he would hold the end of the rope while the others moved up and then he would follow. One by one the members of the party began to make the 75 foot climb up the rock face. Each noted how small Dockside looked from the elevated position and climbed up to the broken grate on one of the sewer openings. Cabe was the first to reach the top and paused complaining. You gotta be kidding me. Lady Irena had tied the rope off but that didn't stop a small stream of sewage from cascading right out of the hole where each member would have to enter the gap. Closing his mouth and eyes, Cape grunted his way through the dirty water and survived the ascent, albeit covered in foul fluid. Sister Elaine, followed by Bolger, climbed up next and had to endure a similar fate from the sewage. As Tonia made her way up, her hands slipped and she pinched her legs together, catching the rope between them. Lady Irena quickly jumped from the hole and helped steady the woman as the flying spell began to fizzle out. With her grip re-established, Tonia made her way through the sewage just as Lady Irena re-landed in her portal. Below, Fargus wondered if he should tie the rope off to the boat just in case they needed to make a quick getaway, but opted to think that leaving it freefall would be much better than leaving it hooked to a rope, which would be a red flag. He gave the rowboat a kick away and skittered up the rope with very little effort. 
He took a face full of sewer water but climbed into the tunnel with his associates. He quickly pulled the rope up, coiling it on a small outcropping. Damp and smelly, the group looked at each other in grim resolve and lit a torch that was in a sconce and then began to move through the tunnels against the flow of sewage. We close out this episode now and give you our thanks for listening. Please subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to follow us on Twitter at The Bards Podcast. For everyone in Adventures at Philbar, thanks for listening.